Welcome to episode two, the second half of my new short story, Into the Light. The letter was propped up against my monitor, a white rectangle resting neatly against the rectangular white screen. It had a neat white label, centre left, with three words printed big and black. Brian Graydon, Confidential. I read it three times, but it still said the same thing. Staff restructure, contract terminated, sorry about your life-threatening illness, three months pay in advance, and thanks for everything. I looked round the office, defying anyone to look at me, but the only person in sight was Sarah's PA, Lucinda who gave me her best sympathetic look and said Sarah was out for the day, but the chief exec was upstairs in his room. So, let me get this straight. I come back from treatment for a life-threatening cancer, just three days off, okay? And my reward for coming into work when I feel shit is the sack. Is that right? You know what I mean? I mean, is that actually fucking right? I know, she said. You missed the staff meeting. You're not the only one. Sorry. Lucinda shrugged and one side of her grey top fell off her right shoulder. Yeah, well, sorry, isn't... The security guy appeared in a white shirt, rectangular white name badge, rectangular head, black trousers, shiny shoes... He was all there in black and white too. He said he was here to help me clear my things and show me out. It was weird. Maybe I'm more drugged up than I realised, but I just quietly packed my stuff into my rucksack like I was off somewhere nice for the weekend. Pens, pencils, staples, post-it notes, rubber bands, paper tubes of sugar... They all went in the front pocket. My black and red A4 contacts book went in the middle pocket. Lucinda made me a coffee while I sorted through my notebooks, but I couldn't drink it because milky coffee makes me gag. She sat at my desk playing with the ends of her red hair as I rubber-banded the biros that had the most black ink left in them. How's the treatment going? I won't really know for another two weeks when this course ends. What happens then? It's my last course of chemo. They tell me if it's worked or not. Oh, right. Um, Well, I hope it works out, you know. Yeah, thanks. I meant to ask, do you know, are, are they replacing me? Lucinda looked down at her shoes. Brown, high heels, a bit scuffed. I don't know. There's a lot of change. None of us really know what's going to happen. Sarah's in meetings all the time. You know what? You're probably better off out of it. Oh, really? You think so? Actually, yeah. Maybe you're right. Security guy offered to carry my bag for me. 
I thought that was going too far, but I let him. Truth is, part of me was already agreeing with Lucinda. Maybe I am better off out of it. Maybe I will be completely out of it before long. Headline writer comes to full stop. Well, I couldn't just go straight back home after, what, eight years' service? So I thanked the security guy for some reason, sat on a chrome bar stool by the window at the Starbucks over the road, sipped hot tea and tried to stay positive. I thought about Lucinda and her shiny red hair, red pouty lips and pale white skin. I couldn't remember ever having a conversation with her before. The office was always full of confident suits, so I never got a look in. Soon the tea lost its heat, and whichever way I looked at it, and however many times I tried to distract myself with other thoughts, it was clear I was moving at high speed towards a very dark and terrible tunnel. People move like silent shadows along the pavement outside. The noise in the cafe sounded distant. All I could really hear was the sound of my neurons madly talking to each other, processing today's new information. They must be really pissed off with me. Maybe when they'd finally worked out what was happening, they'd send me the signal to say it was now okay to be seriously depressed. I finished my cold tea with a grimace, and Lucinda's face was there, on the other side of a few millimetres of misty glass. She came in and sat next to me, close in. Are you okay? No, it all seems pretty hopeless, to be honest. I'm trying to be positive, maybe work for myself, but... Anyway, sorry, I'll be fine. Anyway, what are you doing here? I got my letter this morning, too. I wanted to talk to you earlier, but we couldn't. Not in there. I'm really glad you're here. Yeah? Oh, shit, really? I'm sorry, I thought it was just me. I never thought... Well, I can't blame you. She put her hand on my arm and it lay there, warm. How could something so white be so warm? I couldn't think of anything to say. She took her hand away and carried on. Bad times, I nodded. Brian? Yeah? Can I talk to you about your cancer? Uh, well, there isn't that much to say. Well, where is it? Do you mind? No. Esophagus. Windpipe? Oh, God. Are you going to be okay? Oh, sorry, I already asked. Food pipe. Why? Oh, is it? What? I mean, why do you want to know? Sorry, but I mean it's nice, but why are you here with me? I've hardly spoken to you before. The thing is, I've got cancer too. They told me last week and she put her hand over her mouth, then over her eyes. Her whole body seemed to start shaking. 
I just sat there looking into my cardboard teacup. Sorry, she said. You must think I'm a real wimp, feeling sorry for myself. It's worse for you. I just wanted to talk to someone, you know. Sorry, I didn't want to make you feel... No, no, it's fine. Well, not fine really, but... Well, where's yours? What? Your cancer. Breast. Right. Is it advanced? Left, actually. They don't think so. They're going to operate on me next week. Remove it. They think that'll stop it because it won't have spread anywhere else yet, so that's all right then. She sniffed and sat up straight. I suppose I didn't just want to talk to someone. I knew you were getting your letter today and it made me think. Think? What do you mean? Maybe we could help each other. Support, you know. You've been through it and, well, I'm on my own. It's tough being alone. It'd be nice to think that... Right. Yeah. You and me, you mean? That would be really nice for me too. I'd run out of words, to be honest. Lucinda smiled and put her hand on my arm again. I felt the sting as a tear formed in my eye, growing like a bubble. I fought it, but my bottom lip trembled, and I could hear my breath gasping like it was someone else's. I felt her arm round my shoulder, pulling me to her. I looked right into her eyes, and I suddenly became someone else, less afraid. I rested my head on her shoulder and breathed in her hair. Let's go somewhere else, I said. Just you and me. I told her when we were lying in bed about how the underground had terrified me since the first time the MRI scanner slid over me like a white tiger. I was naked under a thin hospital gown and the table was cold and hard and I was left alone. I heard a beeping sound, then a sound like the doors closing on the tube train and the white tunnel moved slowly over me. The noise got louder and the table started shaking and I wanted to scream. Lucinda pulled the white sheet so it was over as like a tent and kissed me. She told me to close my eyes and then she lay on top of me. While she was packing her bag I looked out of the window. Her place was on the eighth floor and the river looked thin and bright and there was so much sky. She told me she loved the view and she showed me some poems she'd written. Then she came up behind me and put her arms around me and we stood there and I closed my eyes again. The sun was warming my face and I told her I couldn't remember ever closing my eyes during the day before and I couldn't believe she was coming back to see my place so we could sit by the wood burner and pretend we're on holiday. <laughs> Euston was dark, writhing snakes of commuters, the echo of alien voices, light bouncing off tiled tunnels. We held hands and let it happen round us and looked at each other as we slowly sank into the ground, me with a rucksack full of desk detritus, Lucinda with a bag full of fresh-smelling clothes, 
a neat little zip bag with makeup and perfume, and her little notebook of poems. Mr. Laptop was on the platform, his face tinged blue by his smartphone. I smiled at him, but he never looked up. Lucinda and I sat holding hands on the tube train. I closed my eyes. As we reached Golders Green, the train slid out of the wormhole into the red glow of dusk light, and the noise switched off, and I opened my eyes. We were alone in the carriage now, side by side, watched over by the big red sun that sat on the rooftops. Lucinda's head was nuzzled into my neck, and all that existed was a comforting beat that rocked me to sleep. That's the end of my story, Into the Light. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back soon with another extract, another short story. Thanks. Bye.